Seven elders met this morning and our phones were dinging all morning with people that are homesick today. So I just am th so thankful for Pastor Paul's prayers over the sick in the body. Amen. Let's start hitting that thing and target that thing. You know, as I've been uh, really praying over these uh, last, this last three weeks of the month, um, you know, I'm really talking on the cross of Jesus. And I know we're coming into the birth of the season, but we are really lifting up the name of Jesus in this season. And, and how many know the devil hates that? He hates when you lift up Jesus. You can talk about a lot of feel-good messages, but when you talk about Jesus, the devil gets angry. So he's going to come out with attacks, amen? So this week, let's just start binding the devil. Let's get proactive to reroute every assignment that he has against the body of Christ, not just faith builders, but the body of Christ. And um, let's just expect God to do something amazing, amen? I walked in today and I felt such an atmosphere of faith. And my sweet sister confirmed it this morning that there's just an expectation in the atmosphere of the Spirit. And so I just want you to keep your faith up. I want you to stay excited for what God is doing because there are amazing things that are launching in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. Especially as we go into 2022, you know. We do our annual fast every year, January 2nd to the 23rd or whatever it is, 21 days later. And um, it's always supernatural, but I feel that there's something significant on this year that we really connect our faith to because there is a need for a breakthrough anointing in the kingdom of God, isn't there? There is a need for that breakthrough. And, you know, just fasting doesn't, it's not just the no eating that moves God's hand. It's just setting that time aside to say, these 21 days, God, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on your agenda. I'm going to get my notebook out, and I'm going to hear what you have to say in this season. And you extend your faith to God during that 21-day fast. Every year, something supernatural happens. Not only for faith builders, we've seen it year after year, but in your personal life. Amen. So I just feel just to encourage you in the spirit, put your faith out there. Like, just go fly fishing. Take that faith pole and throw it out there. Amen. Because when you throw faith out, you're going to reel back something. Amen. Because the word of God does not return void, but it accomplishes that to which it was sent. And the body of Christ, we need to see a move of God, don't we? We need to see miracles. We need to see people healed and saved and delivered and a great awakening of the church of Jesus Christ. And that's the word the Lord gave me in 2021 is there's an awakening coming. Revivals come and go and they're wonderful. But awakening opens the eyes of the saints. And we can see what God sees. And we can hear what God hears. How many would rather have an awakening than just a temporary emotional experience with God? And in the awakening, we're going to see this mighty wave of the Holy Spirit like the world has never seen before. And that's why the devil wrestles so hard with the saints right now. He's wrestling so hard because God is on the move. Amen. Let me go ahead and pray this morning. Father, oh, also before we pray, I'm going to take a moment to pray for baby Christopher. As you know, Justin and Samantha had their beautiful baby, six pounds and just a tiny little thing. And um, he's back in the hospital. He had some pulmonary issues. And now he's got jaundice. So let's lift up that family, amen, and baby Christopher just for divine healing in his body. So Father, we first of all lift up Christopher to you and Justin and Samantha and their whole family. 
family. And Father, we just speak the healing balm of Gilead over Christopher's body from the top of his head, Father, to his tiny little feet. Let that body line up to creation. We call that body the healed of the Lord, God. Healing balm of Gilead over every organ. Let those lungs breathe air. We decree, Father God, that his lungs are healthy, they are strong, they are mighty, and that God, he will have no more reoccurrences. There'll be no more instances over his little body, but Lord, he'll be healthy and strong. He's going to come home and sleep in his own bed in the name of Jesus, be in his own home in the name of Jesus, and we just surround that family with the blood of the lamb right now, Father God, and we say thank you in advance for that mighty miracle. And Lord, we thank you for this service. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Let your anointing, as I already feel, your presence is so rich. Touch everyone here. Touch everyone watching by home, Father God. And we're always careful to give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, I am on part two of the gift. And how many were here last week for the gift? Were you able to hear the first session? So if you didn't, I encourage you to jump online and take a listen to the first session. We are going over the three gifts that were brought to Jesus, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and how they're symbolic of the foretelling of the coming Jesus at the cross. And last week was so exciting for me just to learn about the frankincense and how Jesus was symbolic. Even at his birth, the gift was brought to be symbolized as the great high priest. How many are thankful for a high priest? He stood in the gap for us, amen. He's still standing in the gap making intercession for you and for his kids. And so as we're coming into the Christmas season, I'm so excited because we're talking about the birth of Christ. And this is a holy event that happened uh, 2,000 years ago. And sometimes, especially if you've been in the church a certain amount of time, we hear these stories and we're like, we're so thankful for the birth of Jesus and we're so thankful for the cross and how he died and resurrected. But it almost seems like that was such a long time ago and how can we bring it to our lives today? How can we bring the life of the message of the birth and the death and resurrection to really apply it to not just some story that was great many years ago that we celebrate in the church, but how do I bring that in my life today? How can you bring the story and learn how to really walk in this relationship and this covenant with Jesus? Amen. So we're going to be sharing about that this morning. As, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but as we visualize the beautiful story of Jesus, we've got a small um, nativity scene here. The nativity scene is my favorite thing to put up every year. But we visualize this cute little baby Jesus in a manger. And these three, to, uh, three wise men came and brought gifts. And, you know, you may see a little a barn with the steeple or whatever and there might be an angel hovering overhead and we've all got this picture of what that might have looked like but in reality that wasn't the picture that the wise men saw when they showed up they showed up much time later and according to history king herod had already killed all the males that were under age two so time had went by right so as the magi showed up there was more than just three there wasn't just the three that we think brought the gifts but there was many anymore according to theologians and they were probably in a house by now so we're not looking at this little tiny baby Jesus at this story that we're studying so Jesus wasn't a baby the Bible or the study says that he was maybe around 18 months old and possibly even two years old and that means that Jesus was probably a toddler by now has anybody ever had a toddler or have one right now 
It kind of gave me a new picture of the three wise men as they showed up because, you know, babies sleep a lot. They're kind of quiet, so they can give reverence. But now the, the reality is he was older, and you know toddlers are cray-cray. Like, they are crazy. I know, oh, you're talking about Jesus. Well, Jesus was all human, and he was all God, and he was a typical toddler that probably ran around and, and screamed and got into mischief. And, you know, if you have a, a, you know, a young child, you'll do anything to get that child to stop crying. You know, how many have thrown your iPhone at that little kid? You're like, watch anything. I don't care. Put on a cartoon. You do anything. I've got a Jasmine that comes in once a week, and she, she uh, serves with me uh, at the office, and she's got her cute little Isaac who I'm madly in love with and I am slowly winning his heart like uh, he's so shy those of you who know him and so I'm, I'm bribing him with Starbucks like I think Starbucks did it I've done a lot of things with this kid but I bought him a caramel uh, frappuccino macchiato or something with whipped cream on top he says he loves me now I'm in heaven I have won this kid forever. I, I truly love But I will, and I'm supposed to be working, and, you know, I'm entertaining him, and I'm making forts with him. Like, poor Ro came in. I forgot to take the fort down. She had to take my fort down for me. But we do anything, right, to get these kids to line up. And so this is really the picture of these wise men coming in or these magis coming in with these gifts to this toddler. You know, it's the gifts that they brought, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. They were valuable gifts, but they were also symbolic gifts of what is to come for Jesus's life and so we learn that the frankincense was uh, as the incense went up it was a beautiful fragrance as a sign of of the high priest when they would burn that incense and so today as we're looking I want you to look in uh, Matthew 2 and we're going to read chapters or uh, Matthew chapter 2 chapter excuse me verse 10 and 11 and it says this the scripture says of the wise men, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, frankincense, and myrrh. And these were unusual gifts that were given. And the gold we're going to break down the next Sunday as our final study in this. But it's talking about the kingship of Jesus. That he was the king of kings and the lord of lords. And, and we learned about the frankincense. But today we're going to look at the myrrh. And this was so precious to me as I was studying it uh, this last week. The valuable and the foretelling of myrrh in Jesus' life. And the myrrh is this, it's a valuable gum-like substance. And it's mentioned 17 times in the Word of God. And occasionally it was used as an antiseptic. And so if you remember, and we'll look at this later on in, the, in our, our message, but at the death of Jesus on the cross, do you remember the last, one of the things they did is they lifted up wine to Jesus to drink? Well, they had put myrrh in that because it helped as an antiseptic to maybe relieve the pain that Jesus was going through. And do you remember what Jesus did? He said no. Because he wanted to take on all the suffering. He wanted no easement of the pain of the sin and the suffering that he was called to live his life to. So can you see the foretelling of he was given that myrrh at his birth. And what an odd, good gift, I guess. But it was actually very prophetic of what was to come into his life. And so as you study out myrrh, scholars believe that myrrh is, I shouldn't say believe, was used as a embalming, part of the embalming process of death. And it shows the suffering servant of Jesus Christ or the Lamb of God. Jesus was born to die for the sins of the world. 
I mean, think about that. They gave him a gift that meant it was part of the death process. It was foreshadowing the Savior that had to come. His assignment as his birth was to come as a Savior that would lay his life down, amen, and all the sins of the world would be upon his shoulders, and he would die on that cross. And so this morning, we're going to look at some of the passages, the prophetic passage in, in Isaiah chapter 53 that talks about the foretelling and the prophecy of Jesus to come. Now, how many of you are football fans in here or baseball fans? I know your mom's like a hardcore football. You know, if I could tell you today uh, who was going to win the Super Bowl of 2022, don't listen to Pastor Paul, and I could foretell the future, and if I could tell you the truth of who was going to win and they won, you all would probably want to place bets with me in the future, right? Like, because you know, man, that girl must be prophetic. But what if I stood here this morning and I could prophesy to you, we wouldn't know until we got to heaven, that 700 years from now, I could tell you who was going to win the Super Bowl. Well, what I want you to see in this story that we're going to read or we're going to break down in Isaiah 53, Isaiah was prophesying 700 years prior to the coming and the birth of Jesus. Think about that. See, that's what's so awesome about the Word of God. The Word of God is fulfilled prophecy, and it is still fulfilling prophecy. People think, oh, the Bible isn't real, and it's just good stories, and that's simply not true, because hundreds and thousands of years ago is written manuscripts of things to come. And do you know that every process in the Word uh, prophecy has been fulfilled 100%? There's been no mistakes with God. There's no mistakes in the prophecies of God. God is perfect and he is infallible. Amen. The word of God is so true and living and powerful. And other religions, they have to rewrite it and change it. And Well, that prophecy didn't come to pass. But the word of God is written and it's powerful and it's true. And so here is Isaiah prophesying 700 years into the future, the coming Messiah. The coming son of God and also the suffering of, that Jesus would endure on the cross one day. So what I'm going to show you this morning is two things. Number one, I'm going to start by showing us today that we have a problem. It's okay. We all have a problem today. Amen. We all have problems in our life or have had problems. And the second place I'm going to show you thing this morning is when Jesus, when Jesus endured and paid the price for our sins and he took the punishment on the cross. Amen. So that we can live an eternal life. Now why am I investing my time and my studies into the message of Jesus? Is because we're coming into a season into the church where that is going to be the only message it's going to be about Jesus and the cross and repentance and the forgiveness of our sin. You know, as the church, we're like, give me some deep theologian study, Pastor Barb. I need more. I got to go deep. But if we don't have a true revelation of who Jesus is and what he did on that cross and what he did for my life, nothing else matters if you don't have a revelation of Jesus. And when you get a revelation, or I should say a re-excitement about Jesus, you will go and tell the good news. How many's ever ate at a good restaurant? And you're like, man, that steak was good. And that, that was the best side potato I ever had. You can't wait to get it on Facebook and share the picture. Tell the story, right? Because you tasted of something that was good. 
The church has to get back to taste and see that he is good. We've got to get back to the goodness and the relationship and the intimacy. And yes, we can go deep in the word. The word of God is a mystery, but we've got to fall in love with Jesus once again. We've got to remember what he did at the cross for us, amen, so that we can get excited about the story that we should be telling because we know what he did for us. So let's look first this morning. Let's look at our problem. Let's just get that out of the way, okay? Isaiah 53, let's look at uh, verse 6 in the NLT version. The, it starts off, and what does it say? Let's read it together. Oh, yeah. Wow. You need some coffee. Ready? One, two, three. All of us. All of us. Listen, all of us. Let's just stop right there. We're all in the same boat. Amen. We all are in the same story here. There's not one more righteous than the other. I don't care if somebody's been serving Jesus 50 years or one year or one month. All of us had a problem. All of us were sinners. All of us were led astray, right? So all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. That's the problem. We're like sheep, and we can be led astray. And you may be like, well, Pastor Barb, you don't understand. I've been serving God for all these years, and I've never been led astray. Okay, so let's just look at what straightaway means and see if you're telling the truth. The word straightaway means to make a mistake, to err. Has anybody made a mistake? You don't have to raise your hands. It's okay. Have you staggered away from the truth, been deceived, been seduced? Listen, every one of us in our relationship with Jesus have been straight away. We've made mistakes. We, we've made errors serving Jesus. We've made wrong decisions. We followed the wrong path. We all have fallen short. Amen. And so the Bible is saying we've left God's path to follow our own. Now, something about this in Isaiah, and I, I guess a few years ago, I started looking at this because we've always been referred to as sheep in the body of Christ. Well, I started studying sheep, and I started reading this lady's book who actually is a shepherdess, and I don't think it's a good compliment that he calls us sheep. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be kind, but sheep are dumb. So, like, it would have been a good compliment if he just said, like, all we, like, lions, we get, yeah, like, I love Jesus, and yeah, make mistakes. No, he called the sheep. He didn't say eagles that fly on the wings, you know, oh, I can soar above. Nope, he did not call us it. He called us sheep. And sheep are not the sharpest knife in the toolbox or the drawer, as they say. Now, as you know, I'm a TikTok girl, and I have my clean algorithm, so don't go judging me. It's mostly chiropractors and dogs and all that kind of fun stuff. I learned so much on there, but you are amazed at what animals can do. Like, I don't, dogs are so smart. Like, I thought my dog was okay, but I'm telling you, these dogs can put away their toys. They, have you seen those where those dogs stomp on words and they make words? How many have seen that? They have their dogs talking. I just think that's strange. I mean, I don't want my dog talking to me. I don't need my dog to, you know, go and tell me a sentence, but they can do it. It's so amazing. I mean, there are donkeys that love to be cuddled by their, their family members. Have you seen that? I have a friend. No, donkeys love to be cuddled and sung to. I had no idea they were an endearing animal. My girlfriend has pigs that have their own bedroom. Not piglets, pigs. 
She lives in a farmhouse. It's beautiful. They have their little ramp, and they go climb up in their bed. Like, these animals are so smart, but I never see a sheep video where sheep are smart. <laughs> sheep don't do tricks. They don't know how to sit. You can't tell a sheep, bah. It was like, sit, sit. No, they don't sit. They don't know what to do because they are not smart. So we're going to look at sheep are weak, they're witless, and wayward. And I promise this will be an uplifting message after all of this. But truly, if you study sheep, they're weak. They are so defenseless. They have nothing that can save them from a wolf or a coyote if they come on the scene. Like, they can't run fast. They don't have little coils or quills to shoot out at the, you know, they can't fly away. There's nothing to protect them. They're weak, right? I mean, even when a wolf comes, it's not like they go, you go that way, we'll go this way, and then the wolf will be confused. No, they gather together, and they say, first come, first serve. (laughs) They don't understand. (laughs) They're defensive, right? They're witless. They can't think for themselves. Like, literally, if there was a true story, and uh, where was it at? It was in Turkey. I don't know if you've heard this story, but in 2005, I looked it up, and this sheep just decided to wander off on its own by itself and graze at the edge of this cliff. Well, what did the other sheep do? They just wandered around, around that sheep, and when that sheep fell off the cliff, guess what? It says that 1,500 sheep followed that other sheep down the cliff. 1,500 right? Why? Because they don't think. They just follow the other sheep right off the cliff. Do you know 450 of those sheep died? Out of 1,100 survived. And you know the only reason why the rest of them survived is because the first one took the blow (laughs) and the other ones had cushion to fall on. If that doesn't look like church life, I ain't going there today. (laughs) I ain't going there today, but I'm just saying. It happens, doesn't it? They're witless. If someone does one thing, they all want to go do it, right? The last thing is sheep are wayward. They wander everywhere. They go everywhere. They're walking. Where you go, they'll go, right? They get overstressed and they just wander. How are we like that? You know, we, we run for approval. We're running here to overspend. We're running here for value. We're just wayward, running, running. Make me happy. Fill my need. Make me have some joy. Fulfill my desires. And we're running and running. We're wayward. And we're chasing things in our life. We're overworried and we're overstressed. We're overspending. I did a message Wednesday night about removing distractions in our season that's coming up. And you know, we're busy as sheep. We're busy, busy, busy. Because that's our nature. We just wander, wander, wander. And we're so busy that we think we're being effective, but really we're not. We've allowed distractions to come into our life. So sheep, we need a lot of help. And that's why God is called the shepherd. And you have a shepherd in your life to help guide you and and maneuver you. And the beautiful part of being a sheep, so I can end on a good note, is that, you know, every this shepherdess, she knew every one of her sheep. And she knew them by their name. And not only that, she knew their sound. She could hear their particular bah or whatever it was. And she knew that that was Lucy or whatever the sheep's name was. And she knew what that sheep needed. And they had a different cry for the need that they wanted. And and she went through this whole story and scenario. So God knows you by your name. And he knows your cry. And he knows your sound. I mean, isn't that wonderful? So that it's so good that we serve that this God. But let's look at Isaiah 53 and continue to go on. It says, all of us 
like sheep have been laid astray, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Let's keep going. Yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. Now, look at that word laid on him. I was curious about what that meant. I'd never looked it up before. And laid on him literally means this, to reach the mark. So think about this. Sin, if you don't know, means to miss the mark. Think about that. When God put the sin of man upon Jesus, he laid on him to reach the mark. That means where sin disqualifies you. Because of Jesus, I missed the mark. But because of his forgiveness and his grace, Jesus already attained the mark. He already went all the way. Isn't that so good? It goes on to say in verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Think about this. This is 700 years prior. This isn't someone telling the story afterwards. This was a prophecy of what was to come. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Has anybody ever been hurt here this morning? You ever been betrayed or left out or mistreated, overlooked or misunderstood? Listen, Jesus understood everything that we face today. Why? Because it was prophesied of him. It was prophesied that he would take on all the things that we would go through for the years to come as we learned last week. Let's look at verse 3 of Isaiah 53. He was despised and he was rejected. A man of sorrow acquainted with the deepest of grief. See, I truly believe if we don't have a revelation of what Jesus suffered for us, we will have a hard time attaining this walk with him. But when you realize the price that he paid, when you realize what he really did and took upon his soul and his body, it will make you forever grateful for who he is. And we will not always get it right, but we will always seek to please the Father. There's this measure in me, and I'll never get it right, but I always think about things in my life as, would this hurt the heart of God? doesn't mean I'm not going to fall short and I'm not going to make mistakes, but I can contemplate what Jesus did for me. I can look at the pain and the suffering and remember in 2020 what he did for me that goes, I don't need to have that in my life anymore. I don't have to behave like that anymore. I don't have to have anger and unforgiveness anymore. I can do what Jesus did and I can forgive and release in my life. Why? Because of what he did for us. We, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Do you see the power of the gift of myrrh at his birth? It was foretelling more to come that when we are sick, we can be healed. When I'm broken, he can restore me. When I'm bound by bondage and addictions, he can set me free because he did it at the cross. He was despised. He was rejected. He was oppressed. Not me. 
I may have that experience in my life, but I've got the cross to run to that he can cover it all in my life because of the price that he paid. It, wasn't, it isn't just a story about a, ba- a baby in a manger that happened a long time ago. It's a holy event, but we've got to bring it into our todays. We've got to live our life the way Jesus has called us to live our life. Far from perfect, but definitely reverent and holy. Amen? So Jesus died on this cross. He rose again. What does it really mean? Why should we follow Jesus today? When you understand the magnitude of his suffering and his sacrifice, you will truly understand the depth of his love. When we really understand his sacrifice, I will fully understand the depth of his love. So when we come to Christ, I make this declaration of my divine love for him. My response to Jesus is, I will be holy and completely available to him. I will follow him with everything that I am because I know the price that he paid for me. You don't think we could ever adequately tell the story of Jesus. I think the closest I've ever seen was The Passion of the Cross. You remember that movie? I think that just clearly and vividly tells the story of Jesus. I remember I was sitting at The Passion of the Christ that, when that, first movie, first, that movie first came out, and there was this big burly man next to me, and he just wandered in probably to see a good movie. And when they were beating Jesus... And they were putting the crown of thorns on his head. And that whole scene, he yelled out, what the F are they doing to him? Like he was so shocked at why would they put this man through what they're putting him through. We saw the whole story of his journey following and healing and miracles and and loving people and loving the prostitute. And yet they took this man to this horrific place that he was going to lay his life down. It all started with the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus went into that garden, he was abandoned by everyone. It was the place where he wrestled with God because he had a foresight of what was about to come. The sins of the world was about to be on his shoulders. He was about to be separated from his father. And scripture says that when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he threw himself on his knees and he began to sweat drops of blood. The Bible says that his heart became so sorrowful and so troubled that he asked God this. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not that Jesus didn't want to die on the cross, but he didn't want to be separated from his father. He was so overwhelmed that blood dripped from his brow. And it's a a process that's called hemocidrosis. It's a physical thing that happens, and it's a shock to the system. It's a trauma that happens where the capillaries now begin to break, and blood begins to come out of the pores and leak through the sweat. Matthew 26 says, Jesus said, my soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. He was grieving in that moment, and it's just the start of the story. He said, God, if there's another way, he said, but yet, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus and his story of his future was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was unfairly tried. And he was sentenced a death crucifixion. 
They spat on him. They struck him. They whipped him again and again and again. Study says that they had signet rings on their hands as they punched Jesus repeatedly over and over in the face, blow after blow. They say that they would take clubs and they already had the crown that was on his head with the thorns and they, they shoved it in about one to three inches in his, in his skull and in his brow and his forehead. And they would take the brow and they would constantly beat his head over and over again, forcing the crown deeper into his skull. Isaiah implies that they pulled out his beard. He was beaten so bad and bloody. And we know that study says that he was so disfigured that he wasn't even recognizable on the cross. See, we see the story of our sweet baby Jesus, and it is beautiful. But that Jesus came to lay his life down. That Jesus' purpose was to take on all the shame and suffering that we would ever face in this world today. It's the most beautiful living story that could ever be told that has life and power behind it. Then at that moment when he was weak and suffering and alone, they made him carry his own cross, about 100 pounds, 650 yards down a path called the way of suffering. And then they crucified him at a place called Golgotha, or the place of the skull. Where's the greatest battle for us today? It's in the mind. Jesus was crucified on the skull. The things that you struggle with in your mind, the addictions, the anger, the frustration, Jesus died on it. And his blood went over that Golgotha so that you can walk free today. So you can walk healed today, that you can have a new mind, a new heart, a new body and joy. That no matter what goes on in the world today, I've got Jesus. And all hell may break loose, but it's okay. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not because of my own ability, not because of my good thinking and, and the, all this religious things. No, because of the cross, I have Jesus. We know that scripture says that he had nails that were driven into his wrist and into his feet. Seven inch nails. His back was beaten so bad that the organs were coming out the back as he lay on that cross or hang on that cross. And the ability to breathe was torturous. They say that he had to, everything within him had to push up on broken legs and, and catch his breath and, and shrink back down. And at some point hanging there naked and ashamed in the heat of the day, trying to breathe, taking on everything that we could ever face, the shoulders would eventually dislocate. He was hanging on a cross with excruciating pain. And as creation, as he was hanging on that cross, creation mocked him. Creation mocked the Son of God. Creation mocked the Creator. But then Jesus faced the most painful part that he could ever face on the cross. It was when the innocent one who never sinned took on the sins of the world. As he hung on that cross, he became everything that was vile. He became filthy. 
He became unholy. He became demonic because everything that's in the world came upon Jesus in that moment. And in that moment, the father, the one he has an intimate relationship with him, turns his back on his son because sin cannot glory in the presence of God. Remember, we serve a justice God. He has to deal with sin. So Jesus hanging there in pain and shame and brokenness, everything the father told him to do, the father was absent. And he said that. He said, God, where are you right now? Have you ever been in a place in your life, God, where are you? I can't pay my bills. My children aren't serving you. I'm struggling. I'm lonely. Jesus, God, where are you? Jesus understood that moment. And as he hung on that cross, like I said earlier, they lifted that wine full of myrrh to dull the pain. And Jesus said, no, I will not take that. I will endure the pain, and I will finish what my Father sent me to do. Jesus fulfilled. Amen. 700 years prior, the prophet prophesied. And what did Jesus do? His final words, he declared, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And Jesus gave his life for the forgiveness of sin. Why is this hard for the world to run to? When the story was everything for us, we need to tell this story. We need to go back to who Jesus is in our life. We need to not be afraid about what the world thinks. Who cares what they think? Who cares if they reject you? Who cares if they think you're crazy? Who cares if they stop talking to you for a while? What Jesus did on the cross that day, we have to give back and remember what he did for our lives so that we can give it away to a lost and broken world. It was, it's religious people that don't want the truth. The world is craving what is the truth. Why do I have money and things and riches and, and cars, but I'm not happy? Why do I have the best Instagram page and Facebook look and influencer, but I'm still miserable? Because Jesus. Let's look at this really quick. Unjustly, in Isaiah 8, uh, 53, 8. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. This is Isaiah again. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Now how would Isaiah know 700 years prior, earlier, further, that Joseph Arimathea, a rich man, would have a grave for Jesus? Verse 11, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. God is satisfied with what his son did. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. What makes Christianity apart from any other religion in the world? Because there are many. Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Islam's, New Age. What makes it separate? It's the bloody death 
of an innocent man that laid his life down. No other religion has the death of an innocent man that died and rose again. Remember in the Old Testament, the, the Passover that happened, and there was the death spirit that God re released here on earth to kill the unrighteous. And what did he tell them to do? Kill the innocent lamb. And they would kill the lamb, and they would eat the flesh, and they would take the blood. And they would take that blood at the Passover. The only thing that kept them safe from a death spirit was to take that blood, wipe it on the mantle of the doorpost, and on the side of the doorpost. And what does that symbolize? The cross. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's, it's the death spirit that is pushed away through the blood of Jesus. It was the slaughter of an innocent lamb, a harmless lamb. It was the smear of the blood on the house. And it doesn't make any sense, but it was the foreshadowing of the cross to come. Myrrh was an embalming substance given to Jesus, the child. Why? Because it foreshadowed the death of Jesus Christ. And Jesus even said this about himself in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. He said, and he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It didn't say, whoever wants to be my disciples, receive me and have the best life ever. Whoever wants to be my disciples are going to be blessed and I'll be like a genie in a bottle. And just whatever you want, rub it and I'll come do whatever you want. Didn't say that. He didn't say Jesus was a homeboy and he'd it'd be a hobby, just go to church once or twice a year. He didn't say that. He said, if you want to be my disciples, deny yourself. And that's hard for the body of Christ to do today because we've had feel-good messages. We've had feel-good moments, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the season is changing in the kingdom. We have to be willing to deny myself. I'm going to cut off the works of the flesh. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to honor the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to take up my cross daily. That means there's things I'm going to have to die to God that I don't want to do, that I don't want to let go. And what? Follow me. Amen. Jesus took our lies. He took our lust. He took our selfishness, our greed, our anger, our hate, our judgmental spirit, our unforgiveness. All those things he took upon the cross. And do you know why I follow Jesus today all these years later? It's because he gave it all for me. That's the only way. It's because he gave it all. What's kept me in the faith and in the battle? Everything Jesus did, I remember. I remember who I'm serving. Listen, wherever you're at today, Jesus paid the price. If you've committed adultery or in adultery, Jesus paid the price for your forgiveness of that adultery. Amen? It's time to get out of it. Time to repent of it. Time to get back with Jesus. If you're struggling in your health, he is your healer. Because he's the one who brought healing. If you've lost someone you love, he can bring hope and restoration to your heart. 
It's not about a baby in a manger. It's about the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world. I'm going to close with this story because my time is up. Wherever you're at in this journey, when I came to Jesus, I came to Jesus young, humble. I was able to live my life with Jesus because my parents were first-generation Christians and, and brought that into my life. But I can tell you my dad's story. When he came to Jesus, he was drunk sitting in the back row of a church, a little Baptist church, had lost it all. And yet God was calling this man to him. God was calling my dad to the kingdom. And he said he didn't hear a thing the preacher preached. Don't even remember what he said, but he heard the call of Jesus. 24 years old, two children, marriage separated, had lost it all, sitting in the back row of a church. And he said the more he said that call about Jesus, he just got up and started walking to the altar. And the closer he got to the altar, the more sober he became. And Jesus came into his life, and he got delivered of alcoholism. His marriage was restored. He found out who he was in Christ. He got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. He got his children in church serving God. And now his children are running churches, and his grandchildren are running churches. Why? Because one man said yes to Jesus. One man that seemed like life was at its end walked an altar to a Savior who died. Not a cute little story, not a feel-good moment, but saying, I'm going to deny myself. And I'm going to follow Jesus. And that means there's friends you got to walk away from. That means there's people you got to get out of your life. That means there's environments you better quit going to. Why? Because I'm denying myself and I'm following Jesus who paid the price for my life. Amen. So I'm going to offer you today, Jesus, wherever you're at. And, and you might not have that whirlwind story that my dad had. It's okay. Your story is your story. But as long as you're saying yes to Jesus in this moment, faith builders will be here for you. We're a church that will love you back to life. We have celebrate recovery with healings and miracles happening every week. We have our rooted discipleship program that's coming the first of the year. I am so excited. It's a 10-week discipleship to really get in you who you are and how to serve Jesus. And we want to be a part of this journey with you. But you have to say yes to Jesus. Say we're all in. I'm all in. I'm all in, Jesus wherever you're at in your walk with him, amen? So I want everybody just to close your eyes this morning. Father, I thank you today for your love and your hope over every person in this room. Jesus, today, it's all about you. I want this church, God, to be all about you, Jesus, lifting up your name, Father God, the name above every name. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, you will be saved. If you know you're in need of a Savior and you say yes to him, he says that he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. And all of heaven will rejoice when you say yes to Jesus today. So I want you to repeat this confession after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for sending your Son to die for me. I receive your grace and I receive your mercy. In Jesus' name.
Amen. With all eyes still closed and no one looking around, if you meant that prayer this morning, shoot your hand up. I'm not going to call you out, but I want you, thank you, thank you. There's hands everywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, literally, I know many of you are just coming back to Jesus and, and making things right. And I know the Lord is so pleased today. Father, we thank you today for this moment here. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. I thank you, God, that you go with us as a church, those that are here and watching. Let us be drawn by you, Holy Spirit. Let this season be a drawing of you, Holy Spirit. Take us where you want to take us. Give us ears to hear what you want us to hear and what we are, are supposed to see in this season. Father, we love you. I cover everyone with the blood of Jesus. Has your protection from the north, south, east, and west. No weapon formed against them shall prosper, Father God. I speak that protection over them and their children, Father God, and their family members. And we give you praise. Bring us together safely next Sunday, God, as we are lifting up your name in this season. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Praise God. Let's welcome Pastor Paul. All right.